Welcome to Should Have Backed It. It's Queensland Oaks Week. Uh, welcome our guests, as always, Chris Venuccio, News Corp Racing Editor. Big V, how are you? Hello, Corbs. I'm going very good. And hello, Phil. I think the the question everyone wants to know is, uh, did you get the quaddie this week, Phil? And our punting expert, Phil Georgios, how are you? Yeah, I'm great, John. And yeah, good to see you, Big V. And no, I didn't actually get on the quaddie this week, unfortunately, mate. But I did see that Vongolay... Uh, my arch nemesis didn't quite get the job done two weeks in a row, so perhaps it's a good thing I stayed out. Now, gentlemen, uh, we had a busy card last week. Mostly uh, the focal point was up in Queensland. We'll start where we always do. We should have backed it and should have sacked it. Chris, I'll go to you first. Yeah, with my should have backed it, I'm going to Eagle Farm, Race 5, Hawaii 5 I didn't think there was much between him and Yellow Brick, but the market really wanted to, to go with the local Yellow Brick second up. However, Hawaii Five O showed that his three-length win the start before wasn't a one-off spike. So, yeah, good performance at a good price. And my should have sacked it. I'm going to go with the the Sandown track, which has had a heavy workload and and it's going to and it's going to keep being tough to bet on during the the wet winter weeks. And I think I might avoid Sandown until Caulfield reopens. So that's not too far away. I would think that we'll have to include Caulfield's uh, reopening, not in this week's agenda, but I reckon it's something we might get to in the next couple of shows. Phil, what about you? What was your should have backed it, should have sacked it from the weekend? Well, firstly, I'm surprised Big V's gone and potted a whole track. That's definitely a, a change of direction for should have backed it and should have sacked it. But uh, yeah, I'm up in Eagle Farm too for my backed it. And it was a race before the one Big V mentioned, and it was without a fight, which uh, won group, the Group 3 Lord Mayor's Cup. Uh, you know, it was a, a fantastic performance by it. It's actually put it into the market for the uh, Caulfield Cup, and I know it's a long way out before there, but it was a very nice performance by it to take out that race. Um, I should have sacked it. Uh, I'm not going to pot all of Sandown, but it is at Sandown in race three, and it's good and proper. Uh, horses just weren't running on, and I know it was only late race three, but I just knew that it was a bad bet the moment I put it on, and, you know, that it did pull up unfortunately, was some issues the horse, but never was in the race. And I think we saw that as being the pattern of the day as the uh, day progressed as well. Now, as I said, the focal point of racing was in Queensland. We had two Group 1s and another uh, big Group 2 in the Fred Best, which uh, Big V's already alluded to with his should have backed it. Uh, We'll start with the Group 1s. So uh, the big race of the day, the big main race of the day was the uh, Queensland Derby, which was won by Kovalika. Have I got that right, Chris? No, I think you're pretty spot on there with yeah, Kovalika. So, so Kovalika, having run third in the Dooman Cup last week uh, behind Huetor, has uh, justified its favouritism and gone and won the race pretty well. That now puts it in the markets for the big spring features. Uh we might start with you, Chris. What do you make of its effort there? Well, I think if you run that race 10 times, I think Kovalika wins it every time. He was just a class above that field. And he put the riding on the wall, really, the start before in the Doombin Cup. And I did say last week's show that the only thing that will beat him is bad luck or if he was flat from that run. And oh, he just had lengths and lengths on them. But in saying that, he did beat a weak field and that was still enough to elevate him to Caulfield Cup favouritism. And I'm glad Phil mentioned without a fight earlier because if I had to pick between those two horses for the Caulfield Cup right now, I'd, I'd pick without a fight. And uh, I think the, the market has um, 
reflected that a little bit with uh without a fight firming from twenty six dollars to fifteen. So uh yeah, I thought um yeah, I'm not gonna get too carried away with Kovalika. Smart horse, but I think he's still got a lot more to to do if he's uh in that conversation. You share those uh, sentiments, Phil? A little bit. I mean, you're not going to be able to do much more than it did in the derby there on the weekend. It just sat up beautifully. I think if you were on it, even at the short short quote, you were pretty comfortable throughout and put them away very early and well. And yeah, certainly ran out the distance. I know that's always a concern when they get to that for the first time. And yeah, I mean, we won't don't know yet how good that field is, I think, in a lot of ways. But at this stage, it couldn't have done anything more and probably rightfully is in that market for the Caulfield Cup, but just like w- without a fight, a long way to go till that there. I did want to just um, give a little shout-out, though, to Fame, who ran on quite nicely into second, and I know that was spruiked in our pod last week. And, uh, yeah, the the old Moe restricted 64 form held up. Phil, I was uh, absolutely going to mention that one, so well done uh, for getting in there first. But we did call it out last week, or Phil... To be clear, called it out last week, so I should have backed it, listeners. You know where to get the good oil. Now, the other group one of the day was the Kingsford Smith run over 1,300 metres at weight for age. Given it's 200, pardon me, given it's two weeks out from the Stradbroke, it is the main lead up these days. This year's edition was won by Think About It, who was the favourite, albeit uh, it was just short of five bucks, I think. So it was a fairly open race. Gentlemen, what did you make of that? Might start with you, Phil. Yeah, I, I was pretty happy with it, Corbs, because it was the only uh, race that I backed the winner with in all day. So <laughs> think about it, kept the picket fence going. And yeah, another really quite dominant win, to be honest. And, you know, you were getting $5.550 around it uh, before the race. So those that stuck with it were very happy. Some pretty, pretty good runs in behind it. I thought Converge was really good and... Um, not a bad little lead up into the Stradbroke in a couple of weeks' time. And, yeah, Rothfire in there as well is continuing its pretty consistent form this prep. So, yeah, a great performance if I think about it and probably getting itself into the conversation for a few of the uh, bigger races into the spring as well moving forward. Chris? Yeah, I can't see how they're going to beat. Think about it in this Stradbroke. I think if he he's a horse that looks like he hasn't reached his ceiling yet, so he's only getting better and better and he, he drops he does drop from weight for age to 54 kilos in the the Stradbroke although weight shouldn't matter too much I think he's going to be very hard to beat and the the betting in this race was quite interesting because think about it was crunched on Saturday morning and he's gone 460 to 420 and he's drifted out to 550 so the punters wanted him early but then they went off him whether it was because it was weight for age and his grand final is going to be the Stradbroke. So uh, I thought the um, the favourite in that race, uh, a case of you, was pretty disappointing. That's I think that's going to the spelling paddock now. Yeah, Converge was excellent, bouncing back from his Doncaster run. Rothfire, King of Sparta, they ran to their to their level. I think it's going to be hard for those three to turn the tables on. Think about it. And Shiloh ran pretty well, and I think should be a good chance in the Tats Tiara in a in a couple of weeks' time. One horse I didn't mention was uh, one of my old faves, Eduardo. Uh, sort of gave up the goat about 300 out. Any news on that one, Big V? Is he pulled up okay? Uh, nothing that I've seen. There, there might be around, but I I think it was going to be tough for Eduardo in this field. You've got Gentleman Roy. Yeah, would have you know, provided a lot of speed as well. So he wasn't going to have it easily. And, and also going up to 1,300, we, we usually see with Eduardo 
when he resumes or he's off a, a bit of a break, he, he starts off at 1,000, 1,100. So starting off at the 1,300 was going to be against him. It did, it did seem like a long distance for Eduardo, that race, to be fair. Okay, there was, uh, as I mentioned, another big feature race, not Group 1 level, the Fred Best Classic. It was a showdown between Yellow Brick, which had been unbeaten for a while, and Hawaii 5 the uh, John Singleton-owned horse that ended up winning the race. Uh, that will get it a run in the Stradbroke as well. I'm not sure if Yellow Brick will make it. Gentlemen, what did you think of that performance? Um, Big V, you alluded to it earlier, so we'll go to Phil. Yeah, well, I was on Yellow Brick and I was you know, reasonably comfortable in running, but you just saw where Benny Thompson got the horse, that it was going to have to get some luck to get out or find that run that it needed to get past a quality horse like Hawaii 5.0. I mean, that, you know, if you'd change the positions in running, you'd probably get the other 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 result, in my opinion. I know some might disagree with that, but once he sort of got stuck, he, he did try to find the back of Hawaii 5.0, but... By the time he got out and found some uh, galloping room, it, it wasn't going to get the job done. But I think both horses have a pretty bright future, to be honest. And, you know, they, they certainly were a class above the rest of the field. Yeah, they're both pretty good. Yeah, I agree with Phil. I mean, with um, Hawaii 5.0, he did jump out from a, a wider barrier than Yellow Brick, but he's got that ability to to find a spot, whereas Yellow Brick was probably that pair further back than ideal. So I think that's the difference between the results. I don't think it's necessarily uh, one being in front of the other in the run. I just think uh, Yellow Brick might have just given Hawaii 5.0 too much of a start. And when you're doing that to good horses, they're really hard to run down. Yeah, some stuff is bubbling up in the racing industry. Uh, but uh, in, in a general sense, this has probably been a quieter week for sort of fresh issues. So we'll go with a couple that are... Uh, around we'll start with uh the royal ascot preparations for a few horses that are going over this year um chris did you see the uh the news about cullen gatter's uh run being a bit underwhelming and do you think it's uh do you think it's a fair call well i'd have to say based on watching it that it looked to run it looked to have uh, jumped out better than artorius but obviously they're two different types of horses it's over a shorter course here artorius They've probably got not too many concerns because that's going to go to a 1,200 metre race that's going to be, you know, run more like a 14. But I just think with um, Cool and Gatta, I mean, it is a big risk taking a horse overseas. And if you're not 100, 100% con- convinced that it's going very, that it's going any good, you know, you might have to pull up stumps. It's it's hard to draw too much from those, um, you know, at this stage of the preparation. But the thing that did concern me is the connections of Cool and Gatta have sort of noted that they were were out to win that particular jump out. So the fact that she wasn't able to sort of kick on and do that against, you know, Cannonball and other horses that you would expect her to be right up against is a little bit concerning. But as a rule, don't bother me whether or not, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're running around too well in those trials. And uh, we should just call out the horses that look like they're going to be competing in Ascot. You never know. We're going to cover that that meet in two weeks' time, two episodes' time. But it looks like it'll be Artorius, Cannonball, Kulangatta, and the Astrologist. Is that right, Chris? Yeah, they look to be the, the forward. I can't see anything else that have, has been listed to uh, that's going across. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Off the top of my head, it doesn't look like any of them would necessarily be... Uh, they don't jump out as being in the same company as some of those horses that have won before, do they? So uh, 
be I presume we won't necessarily have um have the favourites in any of those in any of those races. It would have been good to see Animo in, involved, but uh, we're not going to get that. Having said that, you know they are our in, in amongst the, our best sprinters in the country at the moment, and that's where we really do prosper as a nation in terms of our breeding and our and our capability. So I mean, Cool and Gatters, multiple Group One winner, uh, Artorius. We saw what it did. Uh, um, well, I certainly saw what it did when it went past <laughs> the horse that I had backed at Randwick that day. But yeah, so I, I think they'll put up a good show. Artorius obviously has done it before, was over there last year and put up some good performances as well. So yeah, I think there'll be still plenty to watch from an Australian perspective. Excellent. All right. The other issue of the week that I wanted to discuss with you guys, uh, no sooner than Victoria announced a prize money reduction across the board, did New South Wales suddenly find another bucket of money to pour into its features. Uh, there was a general increase of minimum prize money across the various tiers of group races, groups one, two, and three. And then today, uh, Tuesday, at the time of recording, the news dropped that the Everest, the big daddy, has had an increase of prize money from 15 million to 20 million. Uh, we're a national show, so uh, we don't necessarily take sides here. So Phil, I might start with you. Uh, what do you, what do you, what, what's your take on that? Good to go first with me, just to soften it before Big V unlaunches, uh, unloads on uh, on New South Wales. But the Everest one to me, I mean, other than it now being, I think, the second highest prize money race in the world, I'm not sure what it adds to the race necessarily. 15 million was already a big number. 20 is a bigger number. Does it bring more horses or different horses into the race? Probably not. So yeah, it, it's it's nice. It's a nice thing to to announce, but really, I don't know what the the, the material gain is by making that a, a bigger prize money race. I'd like to see some of that money filter out throughout the industry, not just at that group level, but throughout the uh, lower levels as well. It is an interesting, I guess, counterpoint that New South Wales are increasing their prize money while the other states, Queensland and Victoria in particular, are decreasing. So it's an interesting story, but maybe a source of debate as to how they can do that in the current climate compared to the other states. But I might leave that bickering and and discussion with Big V. Well, there's not much more I can add to what Phil said. I'm just repeating what he's saying because... Like I don't see the rationale going up to twenty million. As you have you said as you said, you know, which horse is going to be there that wouldn't otherwise have been there when it was fifteen million dollars and you know, the slot holders have got to fork out a little bit more and I know that they're excited to be involved in the race, but I think if you're a slot holder that's keeps on losing each year and only I think only three or four of them come out with a profit, you know, are they gonna you know, are they gonna, you know, stick with the race and it was interesting reading today that um, the owners of I Wish I Win can't reach an agreement with uh, the slot with the slot holder because they want a bigger percentage of the the prize money, and it's probably one of the reasons why it's been hard to attract international horses because you know the slot holders do want to try and recoup their money back plus you know make a fair bit back as well. So you know, is there a tipping point? And you know, if you look at social media, a lot of people are complaining that country tracks are getting neglected in terms of you know, upgrading infrastructure and, you know, and it does also put pressure on the other states as well, not just Victoria, but, you know, you know, another state like Queensland, which has bumped up prize money as well for their winter carnival, you know, to try and at least attract some good horses up there because, you know, with Sydney, with the Sydney prize money, you know, it's, there is that 
there isn't that incentive anymore to go up north for the, the winter carnival. So it does put pressure on racing Queensland to, to have a high level prize money as well. I will uh, just add a couple of quick points there. So um, everyone does assume it's kind of linear here, uh, but uh, all the different states have different sizes and shapes and uh, different distances to travel. So I, I do find it interesting that the Victorian media just always seem to take it personally every time this happens in New South Wales. They've got to make decisions for their own uh, for their own jurisdiction. And just because they've got more prize money doesn't mean that uh, that they're doing anything differently or better. And uh, yeah, it was. In- it ju- I just add that it was interesting that, uh, <laughs> that the press release had a dig at uh, at Victoria and Queensland. I thought that was uh, that that was interesting too, wasn't it, Big V? Yes, um, th- but also should be uh, noted that the Everest prize money increase hasn't been officially announced yet. It's just speculation at the moment. Just a, okay, a couple of media reports, but it's not confirmed. But with the the other prize money increases, you know, for the the group and listed races. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I don't have a problem with those races being increased. You know, I think um, you want those races to have, you know, the prize money should match the the status of the race, unlike the big dance, which we, we hadn't had a chat about, you know, since that announcement was made a couple of weeks ago, that that's gone up to $3 million. So, you know, some prize money increases make sense and others, you know, are questionable. All right, well, let's have a look at ahead. We've only got one Group 1 this week, um, and it is, at, at the time of recording, the only race that's got a final field. So, uh, gents, the Queensland Oaks, the classic race there, which has produced uh, horses like Ethereal and Eskimo Queen to chase the features in the past. That And Winx, of course, how could I forget her? Uh, in the past, it's got Fireburn, the Golden Slipper winner, Renaissance Woman and Affair Asweaved. All three of them are Group 1 winners. Uh, there's a few other horses in the race. I'll get a prediction from you guys on that race and then if there is anything on the Queensland undercard or Flemington, both at nominations only at this stage, let us know. Start with you, Phil. Yeah, it's always a little bit hard on the Tuesday when you haven't quite understood what's going on with the barriers and the uh, conditions. But yeah, obviously a great result for Fireburn last start. But just at the odds at this stage, I'm just looking at Renaissance Woman and seeing how that pans out in terms of barriers and and conditions i think six dollars is probably not a price i'd bother getting on right now given you'll probably get something similar on the day but an early selection there um a couple other races and horses that i've seen throughout the day i see in the morton cup quantico is returning after its uh very bad beat last time out i think three dollars fifty is not a bad result for it um if that is what it uh, starts at um so that is definitely something that I'll be looking at as we move forward. And in the Magic Millions National Classic over 1,600, I'm keen to see whether Frumos can continue its form. It's been a very up-and-down horse for punters and gone under at very short odds over time. So it's a watch for me. I'm not necessarily going to back it, but I'm keen to see how it goes after doing a really dominant win, actually, last start. Chris? Yeah, with the Oaks, um, I'm tossing up between Renaissance Woman and Affair of a Sweeve. I think Fireburn will get out in price um, based on getting barrier 16. But we've seen, you know, quite often in these Group 1s, barriers don't matter. The you know, wide barriers can still win. And like Phil, I'm looking at the Magic Millions National Classic. I think Foxy Frieda looks well-placed at the set weights. And I think another matchup that 
would be interesting to watch is Golden Boom versus Red Card in the Queensland Day Stakes. Excellent work. Okay, we'll close out, as always, with the final furlong this week. We are going to keep the Queensland theme going just a little bit longer. Love you guys to each give me a horse that has either emerged or dominated a Queensland carnival or come from Queensland in the past. We'll start with you, Chris. I'm going to go with Shrikandi, and she won the silk stocking at start number five in May 2014. Then she went on to win her next two, then finished third in the Stradbroke. And then she returned the following year to win the Stradbroke, as well as the victory stakes earlier in the prep. And for mine, Corbs, and I hope this fits within your criteria. I'm a little bit worried I'm going to get a bit of backlash here. But the horse that immediately sprung to mind when you said Queensland was incentivized. So uh, you recall... It was absolutely dominant through the winter uh, up there in Queensland a couple years back. I think it won three starts by about a combined 30 length at one point, maybe even more, and came down to Melbourne and uh, won the Caulfield Cup and just got done by a much more, uh, or not just got done, but got done in the in the Melbourne Cup as favourite. So, yeah, I, I do remember it emerging out of that Queensland winter and thinking um, we might have a horse on our hands. I think that's well and truly within the rules. Phil, take us out. As always, good luck on the punt and gamble responsibly.